morning. Good to see all y'all here on Palm Sunday. I'm not the lay reader, but I know how. It just so happens, you know, I do this sometimes. I take, I, I take into account things. Things don't always go the way they're supposed to go. I print myself a copy of the announcements. So, haha. So, there you go. And it is good to see all of you here on Palm Sunday. And a beautiful Palm Sunday it is. And you can see everything set up for the uh, egg hunt that will commence about 1230, give or take a little bit. You know, this is also, for those of, for those of you that are here and you want to, you know, this is a good opportunity if you have neighbors and friends with children who would enjoy you know, after service, call them up, tell them to get over here and see if they can find some eggs. We'll, we will have many services this week since this is Holy Week. We will have a Monday, Thursday communion service Thursday evening at 7. We will have our Good Friday cantata Friday evening at 7. And then a week from today, as we celebrate our Lord's resurrection, we will have a sunrise service at 7. Of all, all, the, all the extra services this week are at 7. Some of them are a.m., some of them are p.m. That way it's, it's easy to remember. You only have to remember one number. And then, of course, we'll have our regular services, at, and you have to remember two more numbers at 9 and 11 next Sunday. Praise the Lord. I think those are all the announcements. Our first scripture reading this morning comes from the first book in the Bible, Genesis chapter 22, verses 15 through 18. Consider the word of the Lord. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven, and he said, by myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will indeed bless you and I will make your offspring as numerous as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of their enemies. And by your offspring shall all the nations of the earth gain blessing for themselves. Because you have obeyed my voice. The word of the Lord. Let us pray. Loving God. We gather in this place 
today to worship you and to give you thanks. We praise you for all you give us. May we always be thankful. Open our hearts and our understanding this morning as your word is proclaimed. We know that your steadfast love is better than life. Guide us that we may seek you in spirit and in truth. Teach us to live with thanksgiving and the blessings that come from obeying your voice. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Would the children come forward for children's time? Don't everybody be shy. Come on, Lincoln, you can come on down. I have to get a chair. I'm not, I'm not like Miss Jessie. I don't, if I don't get a chair, then I'll be down here until uh, church is over. Several of you can probably relate to that, right, I would imagine. All right. We've got a good group this morning. We should have an Easter egg hunt every week, whatever it takes. Y'all come on down. You never know what you're going to find down here. Are y'all ready to go look for some eggs? You know, I looked out there a few minutes ago. Even I could find those eggs. So I've, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to you all a little bit about Palm Sunday and what it really means, okay? And I want, you to, I want you to try and file some of this away and remember it when you get older like I am, all right? First thing I want to I talk to us about is the reason Jesus was going to Jerusalem on Palm Sunday was, of course, ultimately... That's where he was crucified, and then three days later, he rose from the dead, and we were redeemed. You know, we were, we were saved by God through his action. But I want to go back a little bit further than that, and I want to sort of lay the foundation for you all to think about. The first thing I want to talk about is the Bible. This is where we learn about Jesus. This is where we learn about what God how God would like for us to live and treat each other and all that. So we'll, we'll, have a, we'll just have some basic Bible stuff here first, okay? The Bible as we use it is split up into two parts. We call it the Old Testament and the New Testament, right? Pretty complicated, okay? Old, new, okay? But that's what we have. Now, the Old Testament is the Bible that... Jesus had, okay? That was the Bible he used. Except in our Old Testament, we've, we've got it split up into 39 books. Jesus' Old Testament had 24 books, but they were the same. Some of his 24 were subdivided to give us the 39 we have, okay? Enough of that. And the New Testament's got 27 books, so there's 66 altogether, right? That's easy to remember. There's 66 altogether. And I want you to remember the first five, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, okay? The first five books of the Bible are referred to by Jesus as the law or the Torah, okay? Now, the real reason, other than going there to meet his crucifixion in Jerusalem, Jesus went to Jerusalem at that time, which is Passover, every year. Every year of his life, he went there at Passover time. Why? Because it was part of the law, and he was following it. So this morning, I want to read you all the portion of that that really tells us about going to Jerusalem Passover. Passover is when the Hebrews were released from slavery in Egypt, okay? And we find the story of that, or one of the places we find that, is in the second book of the Bible, which is called Exodus, right? And Exodus is just, just means leave or exit, Okay, that's how you can remember it. Y'all are all familiar with the term exit probably. You know, like over there is the exit. You probably want to head over there right now, don't you? But <laughs> anyway, that, that's how I remember Exodus. It's about, it's about exiting Egypt, okay? Now, what it tells us here is what Jesus was doing. He was remembering the Exodus. He was remembering Passover. And so I'm just going to read a little bit to you so you all know about it. This is, comes from Exodus chapter 13, okay? Starting with the third verse, it says, Moses said to the people, remember this day on which you came out of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. 
because the Lord brought you out from there by strength of hand, no leavened bread shall be eaten. Okay? So, they, leaven means like of yeast or of, what's the other word I'm groping for? Whatever causes your bread to rise. Uh, leaven, I guess, is the word. When, when, the, when, the, when the Jews left Egypt, they couldn't wait for the bread to rise. They had to leave in a hurry. That's why they had unleavened bread, okay, if anybody ever asked you. So it says, seven days you shall eat unleavened bread, and on the seventh day there shall be a festival to the Lord. Unleavened bread shall be eaten for seven days. No leavened bread shall be seen in your possession, and no leaven shall be seen among you in all your territory. Now check this out. This is why this is an appropriate scripture for a children's sermon. It says here, you shall tell your child on that day, it is because of what the Lord did for me when I came out of Egypt. It shall serve as a sign on your hand and as a reminder on your forehead so that the teaching of the Lord may be on your lips for with a strong hand the Lord brought you out of Egypt. You shall keep this ordinance and its proper time from year to year, or we could say forever. That would be another way to translate that from year to year. Okay? So, Palm Sunday is about Jesus and a bunch of other people going into Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover, which is a celebration of God setting God's people free, right? So that's really what Jesus was there to celebrate. And this, this is what we call Holy Week, the, the days before Jesus' crucifixion. And one of the last things Jesus does, really the last thing he does do with his disciples is to eat the Passover dinner to remember this. So we have Palm Sunday because we are remembering that it's God who sets all of us free. Amen? Let's, let's pray. Loving God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for these children. I thank you for the celebration we have of you setting us free, for we cannot set ourselves free. I thank you that you sent Jesus to die for us I thank you that you raised him from the dead and that you show your love to us continually through each other and through this fellowship. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so y'all have a good time waiting. You know, you know that's, we, we could have, we could, I can have another children's sermon here about the fruit of the Spirit, okay? And one of the fruit of the Spirit is patience, right? It won't be long, and you'll be able to bust loose out there and uh, pick up all of those little plastic globes full of goodies, right? So y'all have fun. I'm glad you were here. Thank you for your attention. I guess I forgot to tell y'all, you know, I, I could leave the chair out here. Remember Jesus' first sermon that we find in Luke chapter 4, right? And he opens the scroll of Isaiah and he reads out of chapter 61 and says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. No. What does it say? After he rolled the scripture up and he returned it to the ark, he sat down and began to teach. So, anyway, but I won't do that. I'll stand up because if I sit down, I just might, I just might go off on a tangent and y'all might be here till next Easter. Anyway, my first rainbow this morning is the rainbow that it is to see all of you here on this beautiful Palm Sunday morning, and that we're here to worship together. Praise the Lord. What other rainbows and or rattlesnakes do we have to share with each other this morning? Um, I'd like to have safe travels for Gina and Aiden as they return home this evening, and also happy birthday wishes for my mom. Mary Jane will celebrate her 101 tomorrow.
Okay. And she's she's <laughs> she's in good health. So praise God. Okay. Okay. So praise the Lord for your mother's health and birthday and travel mercies for Gina and Aiden. Oh Lord, we pray. Judy. In 2 weeks, I'll be able to hear your sermon. I'm getting my <laughs> hearing aid. Well, you should well, you, well, you know, is that a rainbow or a rattlesnake? <laughs> would be the uh, would be the appropriate question, right? Oh Lord, we pray. My grandson leaves for uh, Poland tomorrow. Oh, he left last night. He's in the army, so his name is Johnny. You just keep him in prayer. Okay, we're gonna lift up Johnny. Yeah. Oh Lord, we pray. I want us to continue to keep Bill in our prayers. He's through with his chemo, but uh, still has some ways to go. So I'm gonna lift up Bill. Oh Lord, we pray. I would like prayers for people who have chronic illness, um, just for positivity and, and hope, and also prayers for their caregivers for strength and perseverance. Okay, okay. So we want to lift up folks with chronic illnesses, and we want to lift up the folks that are taking care of the folks with chronic illnesses. Oh, Lord, we pray. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for this beautiful morning. We thank you that we come together to celebrate the fact that it's your strength that saves us and not we ourselves. Lord, we lift up our brothers and sisters in Ukraine today. We lift up the United Methodist Church in Ukraine. Lord, we lift up our Christian brothers and sisters in Afghanistan today. We lift up our Christian brothers and sisters anywhere in the globe where they are being persecuted. Lord, we lift up all of those who are living in areas of violence. We lift up those who lack the basic necessities of life, clean water, enough to eat, a place to live. Lord, we lift them up. Lord, I lift up the leaders of this country and all the countries of the world that they would seek and do your will, that there would be peace on earth and that your children would live together in peace and harmony. Lord, I ask that you would open our eyes and our ears and our understanding that as your word is proclaimed this morning, we would absorb it. We would store it up in our hearts that we might not sin against you. We would walk as Jesus would have us walk. And now we pray as he taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, I want to start out this morning reading a little bit, a few verses from Psalm 118 before I read our regular sermon text this morning. Consider the word of the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Let Israel say, his steadfast love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, his steadfast love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say, his steadfast love endures forever. Out of my distress, I called on the Lord. The Lord answered me and set me in a broad place. With the Lord on my side, 
I do not fear. What can mortals do to me? The word of the Lord. You'll see in a few minutes, hopefully, or maybe not, why I started out reading a few verses from Psalm 118 this morning, this Palm Sunday morning. But our, our regular sermon text comes from the Gospel of Luke, the 19th chapter. And, of course, this is the, the morning that Jesus entered Jerusalem. Now, let's try and put ourselves in that place a little bit anyway, okay? If we read the first part of chapter 19, which we're not going to read this morning, but I encourage all of you to go read it later today or, or later this week, the first part of chapter 19, there's a story there that probably everybody is relatively familiar with. It's about Zacchaeus, right? Y'all remember Zacchaeus. Everybody loves a tax collector, right? You know, still, you know, one of, the, one of the eternal truths of the Bible, you know, nobody loves a tax collector and they still don't, right? So, you know, if, uh, if any of you are tax collectors, my apologies. The first part of chapter 19 is about Zacchaeus. Now, and where did Zacchaeus live? It's not a trick question. Jericho, okay? Zacchaeus lived in Jericho, right? Now, Jericho is of the lowest inhabited place on the globe. It's way down there, okay? So now, picture this, and remember, how do you get to Jerusalem? You go up to Jerusalem, right? You go up to Jerusalem. In fact, in the book of Psalms, there's a whole series of Psalms called the Psalms of Ascent that they sing when they're going up to the temple. Folks that are going to worship there sing when they're going up to the temple. Once they got up halfway up to Bethany and Bethphage, where we're going to start out our reading this morning, they were at sea level. Consider that, right? They're halfway up, up there to Bethany, and they've just hit sea level. So Jericho's a low place. We take up. At chapter, in chapter 19 of Luke, verse 29, when he had come near Bethphage and Bethany at the place called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of the disciples saying, go into the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it, just say this, the Lord needs it. So those who were sent departed and found it as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? They said, the Lord needs it. Then they brought it to Jesus, and after throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. As he rode along, people kept spreading their cloaks on the ground. As he was now approaching the path down from the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for the deeds of power that they had seen saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, order your disciples to stop. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the stones would shout out. The word of the Lord for the people of the Lord. Please be in prayer with me and for me. Gracious and loving God, God who provides the lamb 
for our salvation. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our strength and our salvation. Amen. So as we saw in the children's sermon this morning, Jesus is going to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover. This is one of those Bible trivia things that you all need to know for when you play Bible trivia, right? How many times is the word Easter in the Bible? Zip. There's one place, there's, there's one, one place in a mistranslation in the King James Version in, in chapter 12 of Acts where it actually says Easter but it's a mistranslation because when you look at the Greek, it says Passover, right? Jesus was crucified at Passover. That's when Jesus was crucified. If you want to know why we call it Easter, we'll go into that some other time. I'm going to spare you this morning. But I will ask you if you know when Easter is. Easter's the first Sunday after the first full moon after the vernal equinox. That's when Easter is. So if you always wonder why it moves around, that's why. And Passover this year is Friday, this coming Friday, right? And there will be a full moon Saturday night, and Sunday morning we will celebrate the resurrection, right? That's the way it works. So Jesus is going in to celebrate the Passover. But he knows this is going to be his last Passover that he celebrates with his disciples as he's going. But he's joyful. He's happy, as are the crowds that are greeting him, as are the crowds that are waving the palm branches, right? Because this is a victory parade. This is a victory showing that God's kingdom is sovereign over everything. And Jesus can happily ride into town because he knows how things come out, right? Now, I want us to notice just a, just a few things from this passage this morning that maybe we normally haven't talked about on Palm Sunday or do. But the first thing there is, it says, when they got up there to Bethany, y'all remember Bethany, right? Who lived in Bethany? Mary and Martha and Lazarus, right? They lived in Bethany, okay? And, and some other people too, I presume. But they lived there for sure. And they were what? They were Pharisees. We'll talk about that more in a minute, okay? The Pharisees are not bad people necessarily, right? The Pharisees are a lot like Methodists, right? You know, they're very methodical about the way they do things. And no matter what's going on, they'll figure out something's wrong with it. Right? That's, that's the way the Pharisees are. So that's, what that's what's going on there at the end. You know, like I say, they're a whole lot like Methodists. So Jesus does what? It says he sent two of his disciples ahead of him to get the cult. Now, isn't that interesting? Don't you think that even a small child, or, or, or I guess I should say a young child, you know, Somebody that was of seven or eight, right? Like, like Levi or Paisley, right? You know, even somebody that age could probably go get a colt by themselves, don't you think? It's not that hard a deal. You just untie it. And, of course, when you're untying it and they say, why are you taking this? You say, because the Lord needs it. And I'm sure they're going to say, oh, okay, take it, right? But No, I really believe that Jesus or one of his Disciples had probably talked to the person ahead of time, you know, because it, we know they had been in Bethany before. We know that. But anyway, he sends two. Now, why is that? This is one of the fundamental things in our faith. We don't do things by ourselves. We do things in pairs, right? You all remember back there in Genesis right after God looks at all that's been created and says, it's what? Very good. Very good. Just a few verses down, 
Genesis 2.18, it says what? It is not good that man should be alone. Right? We're not meant to be alone. And when Jesus sent out the 70, back there in Luke chapter 10, he sent them out in pairs, right? Two together, two together. Now, there's a lot of reasons for that. And again, we could spend a whole lot of, we could spend a whole lot of time talking about that and thinking about that. But I just want us to consider a few things about doing things together this morning. The first thing that occurs to me is it's harder to be selfish. You can still do it. You can still do it. But believe me, I'm an expert. You can still be selfish working with somebody else, but it's not as easy to do. And you also are hopefully considering the other person a little bit. You can also help each other out, right? Now, here's what I want you all to think about for a few minutes this morning. You all remember, since we're in Holy Week and all the things that happened in Holy Week, you all remember when Peter denied Jesus three times? He was standing around the fire over there, what, at Caiaphas' house? You all remember that? Please say yes. Did you all realize that Peter wasn't by himself? Did you realize that? A lot of folks might miss that. In fact, Peter couldn't even get past the lady that was watching the gate by himself. He got stopped. It says in John chapter 18, somewhere down there around verse 15, it says there was another disciple with Peter and Jesus, and this other disciple knew the high priest, went in with Jesus, came back to the gatekeeper and said, I know this character. You can let him in, all right? Vouched for Peter and got Peter in. Now, the other disciple is unnamed. It doesn't say who the other disciple is. But two things are striking here to me. One is, again, there was a pair of them with Jesus. And the other one is, what do you think if the other person had said to Peter or called Peter out the first time he denied Jesus, right? But he didn't for whatever reason. Apparently, he didn't. I mean, it's, it's not recorded that he did. And Peter went on to deny Jesus two more times. See, you know, it tells us in Ezekiel and other places that if we allow somebody else to sin, we're responsible for it too. We're responsible for it too, which is another reason we do things in pairs. We do things in pairs, right? And Jesus said, what? Wherever two or three are gathered in my name, I'm there with you, right? I'm there with you. So that's a great reason to do things in pairs. It says when they got there, everything was just as he told them. Friends, I've told you before, I most likely will tell you again, the only reality is God and God's kingdom. Everything else is fleeting. Everything else will pass away. Everything else ultimately is meaningless. And what Jesus told them, of course it was the way he said it was going to be, as was everything he said. That's the way it's going to be. It's very, very simple. Now, what are some other things that Jesus told them, told his disciples and those who listened to him that were as he told them? There are a bunch of them. There, there, there are as John says in the last verse of John chapter 21, he figures all the books of the world couldn't hold the things that Jesus did, right, if they were written down. But just a few that I want us to think about this morning being 
Holy Week. One of the places we are told about the transfiguration, y'all remember the transfiguration, right? Jesus goes up on the mountain and he's in whiter clothes than Clorox and Tide can make him, right? You know, that's, that's what it says. It says whiter than any fuller could do. And a fuller is bleach, right? And who's with him? Peter, James, and John. And Moses and Elijah appear up there. Again, you know, you know, the thing I like most about that whole narrative there in Mark and the other places that it is in, uh, in Luke and Matthew is it tells us about God's grace. That's what it tells us. It tells us about God's grace. Now, why do I say that? I say that because, because what? Remember Moses? Moses, who was never going to get to go to the Holy Land, he was never going to enter the Promised Land. Well, he did on the Mount of Transfiguration, right? He was in the promised land. He was up there. That's grace. That's grace. God doing for you what you can't do for yourself. And that's what God did for Moses. That's, God, that's what God does for all of us. But anyway, as they're coming down the mountain, I get, I get off on grace and get goofy. As they're coming down the mountain, it says what? It says Jesus told his disciples, Peter and James and John, the three that were with him, to what? Not say anything about what had transpired until when? After he was resurrected from the dead. That's what it says, Mark chapter 9. You can fact check me if you want to. It says until after the resurrection. And it says too, it says, and it says the disciples question among themselves what this rising from the dead meant, right? But we know, as he told them, it happened. And he told them other places. He told them other places. That was one of the things, you know, when, uh, when Peter rightfully identified Jesus as the Messiah, right after that, Jesus said that he was going to have to go to Jerusalem and suffer under the, the scribes and the Pharisees and be turned over and, and crucified and the third day rise from the dead. And that's when Peter started to rebuke Jesus, right? Because they didn't like hearing that. He told them that more than once. But here are a few other things that Jesus told us that are as he said that I want us to think about this morning. One of them, he said, he said ask and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened. See, he said, if you want the results, you have to take some action. That's one of the things he said. He also said, he said, what? He said, where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be too. And that's the way it is. Like I said, Jesus spoke the truth. He spoke what was real. He also said, this is an interesting thing, and I think in a way when we were doing joys and concerns, Lori's concern is tied to this, very much so. Jesus said what? He said, if your eye is healthy, if your eye is healthy, your whole body's full of light, and your whole body's healthy. You see, we are, all of us work together. Our physical part works with our spiritual part, and it, and it all completes us to make us whole. So he was saying, in other words, if you look for good things, you're going to find them. If you look for bad things, he said, if the light that's in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? If you look for bad things, you're going to find the bad things too. And that's what you're going to dwell on. But he says, don't dwell on that junk, you know. Look at the light. Look at the good things. And then above everything else, he said, if you listen to what I'm saying and, and obey me, then you'll be wise, like a wise man, right? Who built his house on rock. 
And it didn't matter what happened. The house was still there. The rain fell, the wind blew, the floods came, and the house was still there. That's what he told them. That's what he tells us. If we'll listen to him and do what he says, then we're founded on a rock. Now, back to Psalm 118. I told you all we'd get back to it sooner or later. Psalm 118, portions of Psalm 118, that's what the people were saying when he, when he rode into town. Did you all realize that? Psalm 118 is a psalm of victory, of victory. And it says here, Psalm 118, verse 26, Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God, and He has given us light. Bind the festal procession with branches up to the horns of the altar. So, that's what they were shouting. That's what they were singing when Jesus rode into town. And then what happened, right? Those pesky Pharisees, right, said, Jesus, tell your crew to shut up. They're making too much noise. You know, we're going to wake up somebody, right? And presumably it's the middle of the day or, or the sun's up anyway, you know, so everybody else ought to be up. And Jesus said, what? He said, even if these folks were cry, quiet, the rocks would cry out, right? The rocks would cry out. You know what it tells us in Romans chapter 1, verse 20? It says, though God's power is invisible and we can't see it, but we see the proof of God all around us in nature. God's put it there. Now, I want to take us back a minute to the, to the Scripture out of Genesis Abraham had gone to sacrifice Isaac. Now, do you think he heard? Do you think he heard that goat rustling around in the branches before he turned over and saw it and realized that God, as God said, as it says there in that chapter, it says that's, that's where God is named Jehovah-Jireh. God will provide, you see. And God provided the sacrifice. So Jesus comes into Jerusalem as the sacrifice that God has provided. And you talk about rocks crying out. You realize when Jesus was raised, when, when Jesus was crucified, on the afternoon when Jesus gave up his spirit, it said what? There was an earthquake, and the ground cracked open. I bet you could hear that. I bet you could hear those rocks. But what I want to remind us all of this morning is, again, this is a victory celebration. This is a victory parade. There's nothing defeated here at all. God is sovereign, and God provides our salvation for us. You know, Jesus was the sacrifice that went into Jerusalem that day. As John tells us in chapter 1, right, John the Baptist said, what? Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. See, it all has to do with Passover, and, and the fact that it's God that saves us and not we ourselves. Now, I challenge you today as you leave here and this week as we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord, look for the places where the rocks are crying out. Maybe they're not rocks. Maybe they're just some other manifestation in nature. 
Peter heard the rocks cry out when the rooster crowed, right? I heard the rocks cry out earlier this week when I saw the Guadalupe River going a bunch of, over a bunch of rocks and the sound that comes from that. Those were the rocks crying out, declaring of God's goodness and beauty. So Psalm 118, interestingly enough, ends the same way it starts. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, and His steadfast love endures forever. Amen? Peace. And as you do, go with the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Amen. strong and